distance in the light. Well, look who's back. Yeah, I thought about doing something corny, but you know, I'm back, but I'm more of a they're here kind of guy. Anyway, so um, I realize I left you guys hanging. <laughs> Big old cliffhanger of a episode I had there. And then I had a material for an episode and realized that it was enough for two. So I kind of cut it short. I said, I'm going to save the rest of this outline for a part two, because I try to keep these episodes 30 minutes or less. Although I am considering going longer, I'm working on that. But for now, 30 minutes or less. So um, I finished that off saying this is part one. Part two is to come. And then life happened, as it does. I ended up in school getting my CDL, and and I did get my CDL. I'm very proud of that. Um, what led me to that was working in a warehouse for almost six years now. I've been sober for over six years, but when I started working there, all, the only ex real experience I had was outside sales. And the thing about it is when you're an addict and you're in outside sales, there's really no accountability as far as your whereabouts, where you are, what you're doing, who you're seeing. You get the point. Outside sales is probably not the best job for an addict. Well, not until they've gotten kind of out of the danger zone where they're a lot more susceptible to relapse. We're all susceptible to relapse. I don't care how long you've been sober. And the people who get a little bit too comfortable with their sobriety think they're out of the woods. Those are the ones that are usually end up relapsing years, sometimes even decades after the fact. So, as a rule, I try to not let myself get too terribly comfortable with my sobriety. I'm very proud of that. I've hit six years. Should be eight, but I had a slip up. So, you know, whatever. It happens. I'm here now. And, uh, yeah. So, I got my CDL. Waiting for Kitty to get hers. And we are going to see where that leads us. So, yes, I did kind of put the podcast on hold. For a few months so that I could do that. I was working four days a week and going to school three days a week up at 5 a.m. every morning. I was just exhausted. And I did think a few times, well, I could record some, record some episodes, just kind of wing it off the cuff and just put those out there and say, here it is. Not very well prepared. Certainly not very well edited. Take it for what it is. But then I thought, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to shut it down for a little bit, and then I'll be back after I take care of the CDL. And I don't know where the podcast is going to go in the future. That's fine. All I know is that it's an outlet for me to get my thoughts out there and hopefully help some people along the way. One thing that I've been doing <clears throat> lately is I have kind of been separating myself from uh, all the doom and gloom and all that good stuff of the uh, news media. Example, in the mornings when I was driving to work, I usually listen to the news. It's not necessarily healthy, and especially that part of the day, because that's the first part of the day. And uh, what I feel is more beneficial to me is building my own self up. So a new little practice that I started developing on my ride to work is I would list all the things that I'm thankful for. For example, I mean, anything from as something as simple as my car. I have a great car. I'm very thankful for it all the way up to my relationship with Kitty. I'm so thankful that she's come into my life. I'm so thankful that 
She's such a positive influence on my life and that in my family. She's she's just been amazing. I mean, I am infinitely thankful for her. My kids, I'm just look. I'm just amazed at them, at the circumstances that they dealt with as they were coming up. Me strung out on drugs, all that kind of good stuff, and the fact that they are thriving anyway. And they've got plenty of excuses if they wanted to. They've got plenty of excuses to, to claim a victimhood and not thrive. But they do it anyway. And they amaze me. They really do. And I'm so thankful that my kids are they're just amazing. I don't know what other words to say. They thrive in, in everything that they do. Plus the fact that they forgave me and have a, and I have a fantastic relationship with them. You know, whenever I first got sober, I had a talk with them and I uh, obviously begged them to forgive me for all the uh, times I wasn't there and all the rotten things I had done. And they did forgive me. And then I went on to tell them, you know, I understand if you don't want me in your life anymore. I understand. But if you do, that would be great. But please understand this. We can't get back the time that we've lost. All those years I was off in the wind and that that's just gone. We can start from here. We can start right now and go forward. So I'm eternally grateful to them for that. I just have so much to be thankful for. And I feel like that's a better practice in the mornings when I'm driving to work to remember all the things that I'm thankful for. Especially kind of when you're on your way to work, because that usually kind of sucks, right? I mean, especially when you work in a warehouse. So, you know, I'm not going to mention any names. Like a rainforest in Brazil or anything like that. Because the company as a whole, I'm sure is fine. But the warehouse that I particularly work in, of course, I'm sure everybody says that about where they work too. My point is, when I'm on my way in there, I make for such a much better day when I realize how just how truly blessed I am. The people in my life, the opportunities that I've been given. Even after all the rotten crap I've done in the past, I mean, let that sink in all the thing, all the really bad things that you've done. You still right now today have an opportunity come up out of that to have a better life for yourself, for the people around you, to be an example of what someone can do. That's been my mission with this whole sobriety thing. A lot of people, when they first get sober, Maybe not necessarily when they first get sober, but a lot of people, when they get sober, what they want to do is they want to go out and they want to save every other addict they see. And that's great. And that's, that is, and it's necessary for that. I just don't feel like that's my forte. I think my forte is more helping people after they've gotten sober. That's a tough time. After you've gotten sober and, and, and let's say you go to rehab or whatever, after you've gotten sober and if you truly are serious about it and you've truly gone into your phone and deleted every single number that has to do with drugs out of it and i don't mean save that one just in case no every single number in your phone that might lead you to relapse you got to delete it i feel like if somebody's if you can't do that then you're probably not as serious as you want to be so anyway when people get new to sobriety first things first th be thankful for sobriety be thankful for the fact that we're able to be sober be thankful that we get to be like those normies, the people that we see in the grocery store who will spend a lot of money rather than having to 
Like when you walk in, the, when you're strung out on drugs, you kind of have a couple hundred dollars in your pocket and you go to the grocery store and you may really need, let's say, to drop a hundred bucks on groceries. But you know you're not going to. You're probably going to drop maybe 40, right? Because you got to make sure you've got enough money for drugs. So once you get sober and you're not in that anymore, and you can walk in a grocery store and you can drop that hundred bucks or whatever the case may be, that is such a victory. When you can go and take your kids out to dinner and not worry, well, gosh, I just, I can't spend that kind of money because I've got to have drugs. When you don't have to worry about that anymore, isn't that a great feeling? Isn't that amazing? If you can't be thankful for that, then gosh, I don't know. So I'm thankful for being able to do the things that I couldn't do whenever I was strung out. Also, like, for example, there's another thing to be grateful for. You can go and do things that take time. For example, trips. Let's say you take a long weekend trip with the kids or with whoever. Go out of town for a few days. Back when you were strung out, you very possibly couldn't do that. Why? Because you had, couldn't you couldn't leave the hustle. You couldn't leave your dealer that long. Unless you were fortunate enough, I suppose, to be able to buy enough drugs to get you through that trip. But if you didn't, which most people don't, then you were kind of stuck. And you had to not go on the trip, right? And now everybody's wondering, well, why isn't he going? They know why. But you got to give them some lame-ass excuse. Oh, I can't get off work for that. I'm sorry, or something. Truth is, you couldn't leave Dope Man long enough, right? So when we get sober, we've got that now. We're free to go. We're free to do lots of things. And it's such a nice feeling, isn't it? So if you're struggling to find things to be grateful for, there you go. That's pretty big, isn't it? So anyway, moving on. In my big part two with the cliffhanger at the end, just to kind of recap, I guess what I was going over in that was, you know, do the things that you're passionate about. You know, not for any other reason other than the fact that you are, it's something you love to do. And, and find ways to use that to serve people. As much as harm as we've done to ourselves and the people around us and, and all that, we don't owe anyone anything. But it sure would be a good thing for us to do, to kind of make up some ground, right? When I say we don't owe anybody anything, I mean that we can't go back and repay for everything we've done in the past. That'd take the rest of our lives. We just can't. So at some point, you just got to cut your losses and move on. But what you can do is begin to serve humanity. You can start serving people. The example I've used is if you know how to trim trees or if there's this little lady, that little old lady down the street that needs her yard mowed, go cut her grass, go cut her yard. Is it really going to be that big of a deal? Take you, what, 30 minutes, maybe an hour, depending upon how big the yard is. So what I was getting into was how we do things for the sake of doing it, not because of what it'll get you. And we let go of the outcome. Serve people, love your life, do what excites you, in the moment and don't worry about the end living in the moment and i know that's another cliche it's a bumper sticker right but every time you live in the moment and do what inspires you excites you every moment moment by moment second by second everything's going to work out to your advantage when you let go of the outcome you instantly and automatically live in abundance because when you do that you have arrived already you're exactly where you intend to be moment to moment and also it creates trust in the process when you trust in the process how things come about is not your problem how things come about is you can leave it up to god 
call it the universe, call it God, whatever it may be. The process is you are going to what? Set goals for yourself. Do you realize that if you write your goals on an index card every morning, let's say you get up and you write your goals on an index card. And by goals, I mean more of a declaration. I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and free. Just for example, you're already in the top 5% of all people as far as success in life is concerned, just by virtue of writing those goals on an index card and then reviewing them out throughout the day. Buy a stack of index cards for a few bucks. Every morning, write down what your goals are. And then throughout the day, several times throughout the day, review them, look them over, keep them fresh in your mind. And just by virtue of doing that at all, you're already putting yourself in the top 5%. And that allows us to let go. It allows us to let go of what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I just know that it's going to happen. I'm trusting the process. We don't always know what's best. We like to think we do. Sometimes we think, well, how could God let this happen? You know, you hear that a lot, especially when something terrible happens. From where we're sitting, it doesn't, it, you kind of, it makes you wonder, how could that have happen with a loving and just God? Sometimes we've got to zoom out to the 30,000 foot view. Sometimes we've got to zoom all the way up so that we can look back down and see the totality, see the big picture and understand the ripple effects. We're able to do that. Things that don't make sense do start to make sense, right? So we don't base our happiness on any outcomes. We just let it go. We let it be. Find what we're passionate about. We focus on our passions. We serve people. Of course, we do set our goals, but we don't be, we're not going to be attached to it. We're thankful for everything in our lives. And the thing is, is our goals are probably a lot smaller than we're giving ourselves credit for. You may look back on your life. And in fact, I have mentioned this before, you know, doing a look back three months, six months. I don't know. Do every week for that matter. But give. But when you look back and you realize how far you've come, say, over the past three months, it's like, wow, I have really made some progress, haven't I? Because. When you are setting goals and doing the, doing the things that you love to do and serving humanity, just by definition, it just kind of happens. So it shouldn't, we shouldn't really notice as it's happening. I mean, unless you're a big lottery winner where you got to, oh, yep, I manifested this. Although that's probably not going to be the case, right? Not everybody can win the lottery. Not everybody wants to win the lottery. So there's probably not going to be that particular moment. When you say, oh my gosh, this is what I manifested. However, if you look back on, say, the past three months, you could probably pinpoint some times. Be like, oh wow, that day two months ago, when this thing happened, that really set the ball in motion for me to get where I am now. I can't, I didn't even notice. It may be a, a job or buying a home. You may realize, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that that was one of my things that I wanted for my life. It just kind of slid into my reality. And now I'm living it. And had I not stopped and looked back on it, I probably wouldn't even notice that it happened. It's just a natural progression of things. So we got to really be careful about what we keep in our minds. Because like the old saying goes, we become what we think about most of the time. So if we think about good things, good things will, we will become. And the opposite is true. We think about bad things. There you go. Because like if you ever watched or read the, you know, read the book, The Secret or watched the movie, 
You know, that's one thing that we've learned. The universe or God, whatever, is not really concerned with whether or not something's good or bad. Because from the 30,000 foot view, from when you're out here looking down, it's all one big creation. And you can't have light without dark. You can't have hot without cold, right? You can't have good without bad. So it all serves the greater purpose. It all serves everything. But now when we're down here, we definitely see good, bad, light, dark. So we definitely need to be careful with what we put out there into the universe. We put negative things out there, negative things will come. We put positive things out there, positive things will come. I'm not trying to sound like a bumper sticker, but whatever vibrations we put out there. And, uh, you know, I know you see all the t-shirts that were good vibes only. And those are usually the most negative people you know that wear those shirts, right? Anyway, that's a side, so that's a little sidebar. But, you know, also when we want something, it implies that we don't have it. So we always have to use things in the present tense because there is only now. When there is no time or space, which we know that time and space really don't exist. Why? Because there is no beginning or end. So it just is what it is. Time and space is a tool that we use in this lifetime as a measurement. We know there is 60 seconds in a minute because there's a beginning and end to the minute. We can't divide something that's infinite up into parts because we don't know what equal parts would be. So therefore, it really can't even exist at all. There is only now. So yeah, to want something is to imply that you lack it. And lacking is what you got, is what you get. So that's why I just kind of go with the whole be as if. Be as if your life is great. Be thankful for the things that you do have. It makes it a whole lot easier to be in a positive mindset. When you really do think of all the positive things that you've got going on. And sometimes life is hard. That's when we especially need to rattle off all the good things that we've got going for ourselves and be so grateful. And I know some people are like, yeah, Matt, but you know, how could, uh, if, if things are just like that, then how could God allow this to happen or for that to happen? When we're thinking in those terms, we're not thinking from 30,000 foot view. We're not looking at the big picture. We're not looking at the totality of it. When we see someone with a particular affliction, yes, it's sad. And you know, sometimes you do wonder, how could God allow a person to come onto this planet that way? Well, there's probably a lot more backstory to that that we don't know. There's probably a bigger picture involved. That person is probably serving a much higher purpose and that their soul is perfectly fine with that. Sometimes we need to be reminded how good we've got it. Sometimes we've got to be reminded that our lives are pretty darn good and we've got a lot to be thankful for. This lifetime is barely even a blip on the radar. So this is a quick little episode, I guess. I don't know. Point is, I'm back. Got a lot to talk about. I need to break them down into some uh, subjects so that way I don't do what I'm so good at doing and just rambling off on 15 different directions at once. Some things I want to really touch on are, you know, my usual stuff, the nature of reality, science of consciousness, things like that. Um, also, how can we be of service to people? How can we find a life of service and still be happy. There are so many topics that I would, that I could go into. My interests 
as far as like my personal development research is concerned it goes really far out there and like i've told people you know if you want to talk about weird stuff we can go there okay i can i can get as weird as you want to get i can go there (laughs) but for the sake of this and us addicts getting sober and how do we move forward from here that's the, the the weird stuff isn't always relevant to that. That doesn't mean we can't go there. Of course, we can certainly go there. And in fact, I want to, with regards to the nature of reality, things like that. Consciousness, consciousness is a big buzzword these days. I guess I didn't realize that I had developed an interest in it. I didn't realize what it was until I started kind of researching it and realizing, oh crap, that's what that is. And I real and then a whole world opened up to me. When I I had a really bad overdose and when I came to in the ambulance, they the first thing I heard was welcome back. And they explained to me that they had done everything they could do two or three times and they were pretty much given up. And then I twitched or I jerked, kicked my leg, I don't know. Did something and they're like, oh shit, hit him again. So they did it again and I came to. And then in the time following that, I realized I was aware while I was out. I don't know if I was out of my body. What I do know is that I was conscious and I was aware. And where I was, there was no time. It could have been 10 minutes. It could have been 10 million years. It was all the same thing to me. It, it's still it's so hard to describe. I mean, I could still feel it right now. I could still see it right now. But I could not tell you. But I've got a feeling a lot of you out there, if you really think about it, you've probably been there because a lot of us have fallen out or had an overdose or whatever. I don't think I'm special. I'm sure that lots of people have been there. They may not have analyzed it the way I did. That's kind of how I am. I overanalyze everything. Those are some things that I would like to get into. Um, If anybody wants to suggest anything, feel free. If you got a topic you'd like to cover, that's fine. Currently, I am, well, before I started CDL classes, I was, I had begun reading Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. And that, it came as a uh, suggestion from the lovely Kitty. And I'll tell you, I haven't read very much of it, but what I have read of Conversations with God has pretty much blown my mind because it's, it, it, it really kind of validates a lot of the things that I have already thought. It make it, it makes you feel good like you're not such a weirdo for feeling the way that you do. Because I was in rehab once and I did some research into, you know, what happens after you die type stuff. And what I had realized, even though I was raised a Catholic, Christian, whatever, I realized that, wow, based on what I experienced, just based on this, the Buddhists probably have it most right just based on my own experience but it's also kind of funny how you see when people have near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences christians will say that they saw jesus they saw heaven there have been muslims who have passed away or or have had a near-death experience i guess i should say and they said they met muhammad Right. And then there are certain 
Hindus who have also had near-death experiences who have said that they met Krishna. And then you have to kind of wonder, how do all these people, how does this happen? Yeah, that's something that's uh, very interesting to me. And that book, Conversations with God, it is a bit written from a, uh, I guess, a Judeo-Christian perspective. Although it's very highly controversial in those circles. I mean, I can imagine it would be because organized religion doesn't like to somebody come in and challenge the status quo of what humans have turned into a religion. So, if you want to read that book, I highly recommend it. I'm going to get back to reading and I went with the CDL class. I kind of put everything on hold, the podcast, reading, everything. And now that I have my CDL, I need to get back to those things. But um, once Kitty gets hers, things could change a lot. We may be on the road. And if that's the case, we may be on the road doing a podcast from the road. I don't know. It's kind of exciting. And I hope you're all along, coming along for the ride with me. So if you have any any ideas, shoot me an email. That'd be great. But for now, I'm going to leave, leave off here. Yes, I guess this is kind of the part two. Sorry about the big old cliffhanger there. <laughs> yeah. I love you all. This is Matt Stevens, and this is the My Sober Addiction Podcast. I'll talk to you again very soon. Really, this time. There is a distance in the light.